You're probably familiar with Sawyer as the maker of everyone's favorite water filter, the Sawyer Squeeze. But did you know that they also make a picaridin-based insect repellent? Why is this important? Have I mentioned that turning 50 comes with some kickers? One of which is a new allergy to DEET, which I discovered while in the Philippines. Picaridin saved my life. Sawyer makes a 20% picaridin repellent that is as effective at repelling mosquitoes, flies, gnats, chiggers, and ticks as 100% DEET, but won't damage plastics or synthetic coatings. Because it's derived from pepper plants, it's family-friendly and safe for 50-year-olds with allergies. You're getting protection from Zika, West Nile virus, dengue and yellow fever, and probably most importantly, Lyme disease. And for more protection, you can add Sawyer's permethrin spray to your gear and clothing, which will also help repel and kill the little boogers. Look, I listen to your tortured insect stories from the trails. I don't know about you, but when we all can finally leave our houses again, I want to be as protected as possible and ready for some adventure. There's been a, a lot of research showing a correlation between especially the thyroid, but autoimmune in general and gluten. And so last June, I decided to go gluten-free, like committed for at least a year and see how I felt, see if it affected me, see if it shifted everything. And, you know, part of it was because like, you know, I made some major lifestyle changes at that point in time because the place that my health was in a year ago was not a place where I could even consider doing a true hike. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have had the energy to, to, to make it. Like I just didn't have the reserves. And so once I had decided like, okay, I'm going to do the PCP next year. Welcome to the Hiking Through Podcast. I'm Erin Egan, here with an episode looking at the other side of things, specifically the not yet a through hiker. And look, now there's a pandemic. Recorded a couple weeks ago, Ariel, known off trail as Ariel Scheib, was supposed to hike the PCT this year. April 30th should have been the beginning of an epic adventure. I spoke with her a couple days before she was to have started, and the reality of not being on the PCT was starting to sink in. So this episode took a very philosophical turn. We discussed the difficulty and challenges of the dream deferred, what the plans are now, and sprinkle in a little gear talk for good measure. You can find this episode and all previous episodes at hiking-through.com, where you can also find show notes, photos, and links for any gear mentioned in this podcast. You can also listen to us on Apple Podcast and all the other podcast places. Enjoy my conversation with Ariel. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks. Happy to be here. In these uh, ever so crazy times. Yeah. Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. How are you doing with the whole not being on the trail right now thing? Well, my start date is actually in two days from today. So it's definitely a little bit more real right now, especially like today. I would definitely be, you know, driving out to California we had a campsite booked and everything, my mom and my fiance, and so like a big chunk of my family was going to be there to see me off. And so that whole reality is definitely sinking in. I do feel like I've had, you know, probably five or six weeks to start to move towards acceptance, mm-hmm. <laughs> as hard as that's been. 
But I think the biggest thing that, you know, that's come up for me over the last month and a half is I, I mean, I'm sure anyone else who was going to hike this year can relate. It was like, okay, well, like, if I can't hit my start date, then like, what can I do? How do I get the other permits? How do I leave later in May? What's the latest I could leave and still potentially finish? You know, in the beginning, my brain was just like racing through all of the ways where I could still make this year happen. And then, you know, truthfully, the last probably two weeks, it became very clear that this this wasn't going to be the year for it in a responsible, you know, if you're going to be a responsible community member, I, I just, this year is really not the year for it. You know, even if you were to go later in May and things were to start to get back to normal and whatever, um, there's still so many sections of the trail that are supposedly going to be closed through the end of summer. And I don't know about you, but I don't really see anyone picking up a hitchhiker <laughs> within the next month or so. So that definitely like it changes the dynamic of what the experience would be. And, you know, and thinking in thinking of all that and how the trail wouldn't be kind of the experience that I was hoping for. And the fact that, you know, I'm home, I'm safe, I'm healthy and have so much to be grateful for, I think makes it a little bit easier to make the call to switch to next year. But I definitely feel like that that was easier last week than it is this week, being that this is the week that it would have been going. <laughs> really real. Yeah, it's like, yeah, okay, I can accept that, you know, like I said, I'm safe, I'm happy. I will say it does, the whole experience does show, at least for me, it showed me how much I have to be grateful for. Yeah. And it's definitely a bummer to not be able to do this hike that I put so much time, attention, planning, you know, into, but at the same time, if I look at the grand, like the grand picture and what other people in the world are dealing with right now, it's a hike. (laughs) (laughs) And it's not... It's, it's not it's not life or death. And, you know, if my contribution to supporting those people who are having those more challenging experiences is to, you know, take a year and wait, and then I, I can do that proudly, you know? I love how you tack probably on the back of it. Oh, I said proudly. <laughs> oh, proudly. It sounded like probably. Proudly. I was like, okay. <laughs> no, no, I can do that. I can do that proudly. <laughs> okay. And I take it you were in because a lot of people I know have or were when they were going to go hike the trail, you know, they kind of were going to drop out of their life for a little while, you know, and, and let their their apartment or whatever go and they quit their jobs and, and things like that, which, you know, makes it very hard to turn around, I guess. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, my situation is definitely unique in the sense that Um, like I already have a very kind of fluid source of income. um, And I have, you know, a couple of different ways that I make money. And uh, obviously, with my social media following, I do make a little bit of money through Instagram. And I had, I had actually um, created some, some trail partnerships, because while I was out on the trail, I really didn't want to be working (laughs) as much as possible. Um, But I also, you know, was considering the fact that I needed to have some sort of income for myself while I was out there. And so, um, I had some contracts in place where I was going to, I had done a bunch of research and found the gear that I really wanted to bring out there that like I was most excited about. And then I connected with those companies so that I could kind of tell, tell their story as I use their products out on the trail. And um, of course, now that the trail isn't happening, those contracts also aren't happening. So my, my career has definitely shifted a lot. And I've, um, you know, I think anybody in the social media realm, whether they're Still don't really love the word influencer, but like an influencer or photographer or, you know, model, whatever it might be, 
it was basically like everything was turned off <laughs> overnight. And so, you know, just like a lot of people, my work, all this work that I had planned to do kind of disappeared. <laughs> um, <laughs> but shift. at the same time, but at the same time, in addition to that, I had, I knew I was going to be taking four and a half, five months off from doing the kind of work that I would normally be doing. Um, I have a health business as well. And I do put, you know, you can't always tell on social media, but I do put a lot of time and energy into that. And I had set it all up so that I could take the six months off. And, and so with that, I luckily have, you know, had a little bit of savings and preparation, but I wasn't really, uh, I would have preferred to be spending my savings at restaurants along the trail um, versus, you know, at groceries for home. But at the same time, I do have that savings and that feels, I, I feel very grateful. And, you know, like you said, there are so many people who were headed out on the PCT this year or the AT or the CDT or whatever trail they were going to go on who had to quit their jobs, who moved out of apartments or even sold homes, yeah. sold vehicles, you know, made some really major life things. And that kind of brings me back to that space of gratitude because I didn't have to make any of those major sacrifices um, in order to hit the trail this year. And that makes it a little bit easier for me to say like, okay, I can do it next year. And I, my heart really, really, really goes out to the people who they made all those sacrifices and because they made them this year, you know, they might not necessarily be able to make those same choices next year. They might need a little bit more time to replenish their savings and kind of get those ducks back in a row. So I definitely, yeah, my heart goes out so much to anyone in that situation right now. Yeah, it it makes it so challenging. But somebody was asking me sort of the same thing. It's like, you know, how are you feeling about not being out on the trail and or not heading out to the trail when you were supposed to? And, and I'm like, well, you know, in 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 all of the world's problems, you know, I, I guess I'm I'm fortunate. You know, like yeah. you said, you have the savings of money, so life is not going to become really uncomfortable. And, you know, I have a house and I'm on the West Coast and, you know, all of these things that that made it easier to, if there is a way to be easier to take the the change, the sudden change. Yeah, totally. What are you doing now instead of like, if you're if you were ready to hit the trail, you're, you know, you're, you have a certain mindset, shall we say? Like, how are, yeah. you, how are you relieving that, <laughs> that mindset need right now? Oh, man. Well, you know, truthfully, with my lifestyle and my, you know, career choice, I haven't been home for more than maybe two and a half weeks, maybe three weeks at any given time for almost two years. So being home for, I've been home for what, six, seven weeks now, and, and really home, like in my home, <laughs> yeah. for the most part, which is, you know, it's not just home here in, in Aspen, Colorado, but like in my house. Um, so it's definitely given me, a, given me a lot of time to think and process. And I'm very, very, very grateful that um, I have a yoga practice and a meditation practice. Um, because truthfully, like I've had to turn to that a lot during this time to, to process, like you said, you, you kind of like, I mean, I don't know about you, but it's, there's a lot of like, kind of like psyching, I'm like clapping my hands right now, like psyching yourself up, getting yourself <laughs> yeah. ready. Cause you know what I mean? Like you, you kind of have to like pump yourself up because you're going to go walk through the woods for four and a half months, you know? So you're kind of in that. I don't know. I had done a post. It's so funny to look back. I had done a post on my Instagram and it was like probably three or four days before 
all of this escalated super quickly. And it was like, I was went from being so excited to hit the trail to like, wait, they're telling people not to hike. Like it was just <laughs> so quick that that transition happened. And, you know, re- rereading that caption, it was basically like, I feel like a kid on Christmas Eve, you know what I mean? Where you're just like, you, you almost like you can't sleep. You're so excited. Your brain is spinning. You know, you go to bed and you're like kind of vibrating and you're like, mm-hmm. am I asleep yet? You know? And then <laughs> And, and so for me, like I said, turning to, to yoga has helped a lot. Um, putting, putting all of my backpacking food and gear and things in a closed closet <laughs> out of sight for a little bit <laughs> has helped yeah. a lot. Although every time I open it and it comes like pouring out because you know how much food you need if you're going to be mailing yeah. yourself a lot of food. So like open the closet and I'm like, oh God, brace yourself. But it's, it's really given me a lot of time to think and assess and I don't know if, if you can relate, I'm sure that there are other people who feel this way, but I, I feel like there were a lot of um, kind of personal things that I had planned to process on the trail um, as <laughs> yes. far as like, yeah, like what I was going to do with my life next, what direction I wanted to take my life, because, you know, I think we can all probably agree that life takes us on twists and turns that we never expected, like this social media um, adventure, <laughs> I'll call it, that I've been on the last couple of years it wasn't part of the plan. And so I really wanted to take the time on the PCT to think about um, where I wanted to head, because I do feel like when you get yourself into an industry, a lot of times there's this trajectory and it's just like pushing you in that direction. And, you know, I wanted to take some time to really assess, like, is that the direction I wanted to walk? And if not, how do I want to redirect and how do I want to utilize what I have now and um, really build the life I want? So I had this kind of like I said, I had some stuff I wanted to think about and being home <laughs> and being still has, has also given me an opportunity to think about and process those things. It's not how I had hoped to, you know, I hope to process them like sweaty and dirty and 20 miles deep eating a go macro bar on the side of a mountain. But uh, instead, you know, I've had to do a lot of processing, like sitting on my meditation cushion. And, and so I, I'd feel like, taking the time to think about what I want from my life has, has helped me alleviate some of that frantic energy or kind of pumped up energy that I had created because I can now funnel it into, you know, what's next and what I'm excited about, you know, for this next year instead. Yeah. This, this self-isolation quarantine thing has felt a little bit like with obviously a lot less, less effort, but it has felt a little bit like, you know, being out on the trail and separated from society because we are so isolated, shall we say. But it, but it has been a lot of time to, to think, uh, a lot of time to kind of reset. Cause I, I'm right there with you. Like there was, this was going to be an opportunity to really do some deep diving. Uh, and in a quirky kind of way, self isolation does the same thing. <laughs> It's not quite as fun of a process, know, right? but <laughs> although I guess there's a lot of people who would say, you know, hiking 20 miles a day for four plus months on end isn't very fun either. So I guess it just depends on your definition of fun. Different strokes for different folks. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It is interesting though. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm holding out a little faint hope that things will open up a little bit once we get into say early July or by early July. But it was funny because in thinking about that, I started to think about like, how could you piece together a trail at that point? 
and it would mm. really be a piecing it together type of thing. <laughs> yeah, hop, skipping and jumping around. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. It, it would be. But and then it started it was really funny. Like I started to do the math in my head and the day counts and the this and the that. And I was just like, okay, it's doable. But oh God, is it gonna hurt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely think like like I said earlier, you, you know, you start like, like you said, crunching the numbers and kind of figuring it out. And then really thinking about not just like the logistics of the miles that you would have to put in if you were going to go later, but like, you know, it's, it's kind of a different world right now. Yeah. You know, people are not, like I said, picking up hitchhikers, you know, restaurants aren't necessarily open. There's, you know, huge parts of the country that, you know, are still close to travelers and section of the trail in Washington that's supposed to be closed until September 30th. You know, here we're still considered shelter in place until May 9th. Um, and then from there, you know, starting to lessen those things. But it, it's a different world out there. So it's like so much more to consider than just even the miles that your body could handle. Yeah, there are there are a lot more and there's going to be a lot. There would be a lot fewer people. So that experience also would be completely different. Which I'm sure is a huge plus for some people. <laughs> yeah, true. True. And I don't know where I stand on that. I feel like part of me, like it was excited for some of like the isolation and the alone time, but with all the time I've spent here alone, um, you know, in the last couple of weeks, I'm realizing that I actually like people. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy thing. Concept. Brought to you care of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, like I'm like craving, I don't, you know, not like big crowds or anything like that, but you know, those intimate moments with really close mm -hmm. friends that know you really well and just those moments. I I guess, you know, even in these these times, there if you are staying self-aware, if you are staying present in the moment, there is still tons and tons to learn about yourself. There is. And and I feel like being in a place where you you can use this time for self-reflection is it's a great privilege and there are a lot of people out there right now that that don't have that they just don't have the capacity just you know whether it's yeah. finances or that they're essential workers or whatever it is and so I feel like those of us who you know do have that um, the privilege to be able to to use this time for self-reflection I almost think it's our responsibility to use this time responsibly if that makes sense. Oh, it totally in some makes way. sense. Yeah, I was I was kind of having that conversation with uh with a roommate and we were we were talking and it was sort of a a thing of, you know, we're kind of all in this same situation and we can either use this and and get something out of it and come out the other side better or we can kind of squander it and you know, just let the time go by and then come out the other side and not have learned anything or not learned any lesson or made any changes or, or pushed more towards, towards dreams even. Yeah. And I think, you know, in my, in my personal opinion, I think there has to be kind of a line drawn between self-reflection and, and personal growth and productivity, because I think a lot of people out there are feeling um, like almost feeling bad about themselves because they're not as productive as let's say other people mm -hmm. they're seeing online or their friends or as they hoped they'd be 
Um, <laughs> and, you know, we also, we also have to remember that this is a global pandemic. You know, most of us in our lifetime have never experienced something on this level. So I think it's also important for people to give themselves grace if, like, they didn't write their book or, you know, weren't able to, to train to run a marathon or whatever in the time that they had at home. But also that, like, in addition to that, you can take this time and even if you're not writing your book or training to run your marathon or, you know, whatever it is, you can still have a little bit of time off of Netflix and really <laughs> assess the things in your life that are working and the things that aren't. You know, I think so many people's lives were moving at such a fast pace that there was never a chance to slow down and really see if it was even working or if they even liked what they're doing. I don't know. Through hikers, I think, are another breed because we're like, yeah screw it and bail, <laughs> you know, we're, we're able to be like, yeah, it's not working. I'm going to try something else. But so maybe I'm preaching to the choir here, but I do think, you know, like I said, it is, it is a great privilege. You know, if you're in a position um, where you're healthy, you have a roof over your head, you have enough money to feed yourself and your family. And it, it's, it's a really, really big opportunity to, you know, move forward and not necessarily fall back into things that weren't serving you. Yeah. It's so interesting that you bring up the whole productivity word because I was definitely feeling that in March. So we went, we went into the houses on March 19th and certainly in March, by the end of March, I was feeling that. And I was doing kind of what you were talking about is, you know, beating myself up and saying, you know, I'm not being as productive as I should. I'm not getting all these things done. And, and it, it took, a a moment to like step back from it and go, you know, chill. It's all going to be fine. And your, your productivity bias grant you is something that has been, you've been working on for, for decades, but you need to let it go. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, it's societal <laughs> as well, <laughs> which I think is why totally. so many of us want to escape to the trail is because you know, we want to escape from those societal pressures to do, do, do more, more, more. Although I will say some people bring it onto the trail, I'm sure by, you know, feeling the need to like mm -hmm. crush miles for the sake of, crush of crushing miles. And that's going to be different between each person. Yeah. You know, some people can go out there and have a really uh, positive mindset and still like crush miles and have some celebration around that. But I also think that it's it's not always a healthy thing. And it is kind of this reflection of society where it's like a badge of honor to be exhausted and overly busy and things mm -hmm. like that. Um, yeah. And I think that like, I think that's one of the biggest things that so many, at least that I realize, and I feel like I keep having to learn this lesson over and over again. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know why maybe one time I'll actually get it, but that it, that less really can be more. Yeah. And I, and I guess that was sort of the, one of the lessons of, of the pandemic, of the COVID. Totally, <laughs> totally. Less, less can be more. And again, we, you know, a lot of people, like I would assume a lot of through hikers also have an understanding of that because when you live out of yeah. the same backpack for an extended period of time, you start to realize um, how many things that we give our power away to and, you know, power in the sense of like our energy, but also like our happiness and our joy mm -hmm. And when we have less of those things, sometimes we have less to worry about. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Can be a lighter. 
a lighter experience, lighter load, literally, <laughs> metaphorically speaking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God, talking no about a lighter intended. load. <laughs> I know. I uh, this week I got my my pack out and I you know filled it with with stuff, put weight in it, and and so forth, and and just have been out uh, walking, and it kicked my ass. Oh man. I know. I feel you. I've been getting in, getting into running and I'm like, I thought I was in good shape. Like I thought I was ready to hike the PCT and I can't even run five miles. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So funny. What is, what is this about? Like, I guess (laughs) the, uh, we were going to use the desert for, for good, for good things, you know, preparing, preparing to, to hike the big stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, after after kind of walking around out outside with the pack on with weight in it and not even like a full pack pack weight, but I was I was more conscious of both my age as well as everybody saying how important the weight is. Cuz I think I w- I was, you know, in talking with people and they're saying, "Oh yeah, my pack was, you know, XYZ and and so forth." It was more just the words. Yeah. And then actually putting the weight on my back and walking it around. I was much more appreciative of how important it is to get the weight as lit as light as possible. Totally. And what a great analogy for life. (laughs) You know, it like goes, it goes so well with the conversation that we were having, you know, that like that it can be, it can be a little bit simpler, you know, Mm -hmm. it can, the load can be lighter. All, all around. 100%. I feel that. I, go ahead. No, go for it. No, no. I'm, that's, I'm, oh, that was it? You go for it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, I was going to ask you about, about some of your, your gear or, or some of the stuff that you had invested in in preparation. Yeah. That you'll uh, play with next year, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Well, and you know, I haven't fully given up the idea of doing some sort of through hike this year. I, uh, I live in Colorado and the Colorado trail, um, I can't remember the exact mileage off, off of my top of my head, but it's, uh, my understanding could be done in about a month or so. And so I might, you know, dip my toes in for a little shorter experience. What is the traditional time to be doing that? Is it later in the summer or? Truthfully, I have no idea. I would think probably like at least end of, like end of July, early August would make the most okay. sense for me just because of the elevation here. At least where I live, we can't really start accessing like our, you know, my favorite hiking trails until June. And in June, you're still post holing in snow up to your <laughs> mid thigh sort of deal, you know? <laughs> so, so I would think that it would it'd definitely be a little later in the season to be able to be at the elevations that that trail goes through. Mm-hmm. So that, that could be perfect. Yeah, totally. And I haven't gotten deep enough into the research yet because I think literally until last week, I was still holding on to some glimmer of hope for the PCT. And so I think if I, I thought like if I started researching this one too much, it was like, Oh, I was giving up. <laughs> you That's know, right. If, if you started researching something else, then the, the universe wouldn't back your play. Yeah, I don't know. It's you can't say that anyone's <laughs> making totally rational decisions at this point in time. Very true. Very true. 
So what did you settle on for a pack? Um, I have the Hyperlite 55 liter backpack. Okay. Have you tried loading it up and... I've loaded it up. I haven't done like any really true long hike in it. I'm going to be so honest. I am not one of those people who like meticulously, I'm not detail oriented. I, I kind of like um, just jump into things, which sometimes is great. <laughs> you know, I obviously have learned my lesson a lot of the ways. I have been planning like the PCT in general for a while. And I feel like the main way that I've prepared has been more just like really reading a lot of other people's stories. I love, I love reading people's stories. I've read so many, like so many different books. I found like pretty much any obscure PCT memoir book that Kindle offers. <laughs> um, and so sometimes I'm like, you know, you get to that, the section in the trail in the book. And, and I'm, I was so excited for the moment where, because there are a couple of, you know, things that come up a lot in other people's stories, like to be able to hit that town for the first time or whatever it might be. But, but with that, I'm definitely not one of the people who like, I probably wasn't going to put my backpack, put weight in my backpack and go out and go. I've just been doing a bunch of like, I was doing a bunch of ski touring, like uphill touring and just trying to keep my fitness up. But yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I'm one of those people. I've done a bunch of backpacking in the past though. So this pack I know would probably feel so much lighter than what I'm used to backpacking with because everything I got was actually that I've gotten for this trip is actually ultra light. Whereas everything else from my backpacking setup was like six to 10 years old where ultra light wasn't really quite a conversation yet. Right. It was, it was much heavier and probably a little bit more unwieldy. Yeah. It's crazy. Even just picking up my old backpack, like just holding my old backpack and then holding this new backpack. I'm like, Whoa, that alone (laughs) is a massive difference. What was the, what was the the tent that you were going to head out there with? So I have Nemo equipment for pretty much all of my like sleep system. Okay. So I have, I think it's called the Hornet is the tent. I believe the Nemo Hornet is it's, I got the two person so that if my fiance decided to join me for any sections, he could jump in. And also just because, the weight difference was pretty negligible and I think it'd be nice to have some space to have your gear in there. It's a double wall tent, which I personally was really excited about. Um, you know, everyone's got their, everyone's got their thing, but I kind of liked the idea of being, having a freestanding tent that could just, I could set up always, no matter like what the dirt was like, or, you know, whatever the campsite was like, it's just, you could always know that it's going to be easy to set your tent up. And I liked the idea that, um, I could have the rain fly off on nights where it, it was going to be dry and be protected from bugs, but still like have a view of the stars. So I was actively seeking out an ultralight double wall tent um, for those reasons. And so I was was stoked when I came across Nemo equipment. And then I also have their um, sleeping pad, which is one of the like ultralight inflatable ones that rolls up. Can't remember the name off the top of my head. And then I have um, also one of their sleeping bags, the whole quilt sleeping bag thing was seems like quite the conversation, but I tend to run really cold. I tend to sleep really cold, um, just run really cold in general. So I kind of wanted to opt for something that would be, you know, warmer <laughs> just in case I'd rather be, I'd rather be a little bit too warm than too cold. It's hard to sleep when you're freezing. Yeah. Or, or have the ability to, you know, if it, if it is too warm, if, if you, perchance get cold or get warm 
you could unzip it and open it up into a little bit more of like a quilt type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to being stuck with it sort of in one, one shape. Totally. And you know, this was like, like I said, I've done a bunch of backpacking over the years, but this was going to be my first like true through hike. So I'm sure that there are a lot of lessons to be learned. And I feel like when you're making decisions for your first time around, you're just, you're just gathering as much information as you can from a bunch of different people and trying to, you know, feed that through your own intuition and you see what comes out. <laughs> no, I, and I have, I've had a lot of people tell me as well that with a through hike, I, I mean, you, everybody's doing exactly what you're talking about. If you've never done it before, you're kind of just paying attention to what everybody else is using, trying to make some pseudo educated guesses about what would work for you. But you're not going to know for sure until you get out there, until you start putting the miles in, until you have to sleep in the tent and, you know. <laughs> yeah, and the thing up. is, is like you can find someone who will tell you that X, Y, and Z option is the best because of this and someone else, you know, both super experienced through hikers, let's say triple crowners, and they have the exact opposite opinion because it's just so <laughs> personal. Yeah. It, it really is. It's so personal. And so there's, you know, I get these questions all the time, like on, on, on Instagram, I get gear questions all the time, like hiking gear. Like I get asked like so much, like, what are your favorite hiking boots? What are your favorite running shoes? And I'm like, it's so personal. Like I have skinny skeleton feet, like what's going to feel <laughs> good on, my, you know what I mean? Like what's going to feel good on my weird feet with my my bunion and my small little toe and my second toe that's longer than the first toe like that's going to be so different than somebody who has a super high arch and square mm -hmm. toe. you know what I mean it's just it's it's just so yeah. personal yeah it's almost like the more the more better the the information that's more helpful isn't necessarily what you chose so much as why you chose it or why that's if, such a good once point. You, once you've done the through hike, why it worked for you. You know, I like the pack because it was light, it had this, it was easy to find things, the hip belt was this, and that type of thing, because that then educates somebody to be able to make a better decision for themselves, knowing what they do or don't like. A hundred percent. That's such a good way to put it. And then it just it allows people to make, like you said, educated decisions for themselves. I really appreciated that. And when I was hearing people's gear review videos on YouTube, when they gave those sort of reasoning, because then it helped me be able to really process and filter that through like, okay, well, you know, and there's one, I wish I could remember the name of the YouTuber, but they were talking about the shoe that they loved and it was ultras. Right. And they're like, Oh, ultras. I love them so much. And then they were talking about why they're like, I have a really wide foot. So ultras were awesome because they were the first shoe that was wide enough. And so for, you know, the first maybe six months of my planning, I was like, okay, ultras are going to be the shoes for me. Everyone says those are the right shoes for the through hike. And then I'm like, what? Well, like I told you, I have narrow, weird I was feet. Say, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly the opposite and feet. Totally. And so I, I ended up finding another review from someone who had skinny, narrow feet and they were like, they really recommended um, Brooks Cascadia's. And so I ended up opting for that, but it's like, until I had heard why someone liked ultras, it didn't, it was hard for me to understand why that wouldn't necessarily be the right decision for me. And it, and it's also really funny how 
you know, are the things that I find is that even as much as you study something and you ask questions of somebody else and they explain to you why they like something or didn't like something, you put the shoe on, you put the pack on, you sleep in the sleeping bag, whatever. And there can be odd, random things that you didn't even think would matter to you that all of a sudden matter to you. And hundred <laughs> percent. And all of a sudden, <laughs> that's the thing that makes or breaks it. It's always the little things, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is. It really, really is. Oh my gosh! Were you gonna go? Were you gonna use a stove, or were you gonna go stoveless? I'm probably gonna get like burned at the stake for saying this. <laughs> oh, uh, baby, come on. <laughs> Um, but no, I, so I have used a whisper light for, for ages, you know, and that's probably one of the lightest mm-hmm. stove options, but I actually bought a jet boil <laughs> okay. for this. And that's what I'm saying. I'll probably get burned at the stake because it's so not ultralight. But at the same time, on my last couple backpacking trips, my other friends, one of my other friends had a jet boil and I had the whisper light and her water was done boiling in two and a half minutes. My water took 20 minutes to boil. Ooh. And I'm just thinking, yeah, I'm just thinking like that, that extra, even if it only took eight minutes longer or five minutes longer, I, you know, like we said, it's those little things that are going to start to build up and really irritate you. And I could see myself being really irritated by that. And like that being real, really frustrating, especially when you're tired and you're hungry and, you know, all you want to do is have your food and it still has to hydrate anyways. So, yeah, so I opted for the jet boil. I was open to the possibility of mailing it home if I really, really, really wanted to save the weight later. But that's what I was planning to start with. Well, it's and it's funny that you say that because so many people that I've talked to have literally said some version of, I got to a certain point and I was so tired and didn't want to take the time that it would take to cook something, to heat the water and to cook something. And and I could only imagine if it was a, actually taking you 20 minutes to heat the water. Right? I mean, I don't know if that's just because it's an older jet bo- or a whisper light or just because of the wind kind of blows down the mm-hmm. things. But it seems like a lot of people do end up going stoveless. But I feel like there's something so nice about some, something warm at the end of the day. Yeah, I am totally right there with you. I also, you know, left it open in my head about the possibility of maybe not keeping the stove the whole time. But I definitely wanted to start with the stove. That It's almost like a comfort. It's like having a campfire almost type of thing. Yeah, totally. Much easier to light campfire. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Much more efficient campfire. But, but <laughs> there, there is go. something about staring into the flames. I know it's like therapeutic. Oh, absolutely. Now, what were you going with for food? What were you what were you planning on? Cuz you kind of mentioned already that you were looking to ship yourself some stuff. Yeah, so I was diagnosed with Hashimoto's uh hypothyroid last June and before that had been diagnosed with another autoimmune condition um called interstitial cystitis and there's been a, a lot of research showing a correlation between especially the thyroid, but autoimmune in general and gluten. And so last June, I decided to go gluten-free, like committed um, for at least a year. 
and see how I felt, see if it affected me, see if it shifted everything. And, you know, part of it was because like, you know, I made some major lifestyle changes at that point in time, because the place that my health was in a year ago was not a place where I could even consider doing a through hike. You know what I mean? I wouldn't have had the energy to, to, to make it like I just didn't have the reserves. And so once I had decided like, okay, I'm going to do the PCT next year, it it gave me some fuel to my fire to be really dedicated to doing the lifestyle changes that it was going to take, which ironically are like slowing down and resting and (laughs) nourishing your adrenals and you know, whatever. So this year has looked so different. Yeah, exactly. Quarantine life, um, in quotes, (laughs) but but yeah, so, you know, so I've really, I've really paid attention to my health a lot in the last year, but with that, you know, gluten-free, being gluten-free on the trail. Um, and I also just in general, I care what I put into my body because I, I feel different when I eat good, good quality, healthy food than when I don't. And, you know, I know that some people take um, through hikes as like the junk food tour of America and more power <laughs> to them. Like if you can, if you can somehow hike 2,650 miles on Oreos, like, you know, you. I tip my hat. Yeah, I tip my hat to you. But I just know that like, that is not going to feel awesome in my body. And it's not to say that I don't have my vices. Like I obviously am a human being and love chocolate. And there would be, you know, tons of other things that I would enjoy. But just the idea of eating garbage food the whole time, just it wasn't landing well with me. Um, I had a couple different food things percolating. I didn't end up going, you know, doing all of the final like packaging and things that I was going to do because that was, I was saving, that was my last task. That was basically the last thing I had to do before hitting the trail. And this all happened, you know, was happening right when that was so, but anyway, so I have a bunch of, um, freeze dried food. Like I got freeze dried sweet potatoes and kale and, um, like, uh, instant brown rice, instant quinoa. And my plan was to make like, like little pods. Um, I got a a vacuum sealer (laughs) And I was going to make little vacuum sealed like pods with different seasoning in it. So let's say like you could do the the rice, like the instant rice and the sweet potatoes and the kale and the broccoli or whatever, and then put taco spice in there. And you have this like taco spice bowl. And then obviously um, calorie wise, bring some oil of some kind. So like some, maybe probably like, you know, some olive oil so that um, you have the micronutrients from all the you know, the veggies and stuff. And then you have the macronutrients, you have some calories from the oil itself. Um, so that was part of it. And then I also, one of my partnerships was with this brand called Wild Zora and they're super cool. I actually found them. I went to like an outdoor store. So I had a backpacking trip actually on the PCT. I did five days on it last summer or three days on it last summer. And it was like right after I got diagnosed and I was like gluten-free backpacking. Like, how am I going to do this? <laughs> so I went to this outdoor store and I found like in the food section and the camp food section, this brand called wild Zora that made paleo backpacking food. So not only is it gluten-free, it's grain-free, which I, I still consume grains, but I was like, that's pretty cool. So I, I literally bought breakfast, basically breakfast, lunch, and dinner of this wild Zora brand from this outdoor store for this, for my backpacking trip last summer and it was awesome. I totally loved it. So I have a couple of boxes of their meals as well. Um, so some breakfast and some, uh, I probably have it more for like lunch than dinner. But so I was going to do a combination of that and then my homemade stuff to keep it interesting, keep different flavors, and then probably a ridiculous amount of bars. <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> How are, actually, two questions for you. How do you spell the, that? that uh 
meal. Matter of fact, it's wild Zora. Zora with a Z, Z O R A. Oh, perfect. Okay. And they're um, they're awesome. They're a small company out of um, uh, where I think Loveland, Colorado. Really, really oh, good. Okay. Uh, good people. So awesome company to support. Yeah, Paleo sounds really, really good, actually. So I'm going to definitely look them up. Yeah, I mean, like literally the the lunch or dinner meals. Imagine like natural chicken with all veggies, and it's just this giant pot of veggies and chicken is so delicious. <laughs> now, now you're making me hungry. I'm sorry. Have that effect. <laughs> now, what were you going to do bar wise? Like, what bars are gluten are gluten free? There's actually a lot of gluten-free bars, but my favorite bars are um, Go Macro. I've been a huge fan of them for years. They're actually gluten-free and vegan. Obviously, by my just sentence, two <laughs> yes, sentences ago, I am sentence. not. I'm not vegan myself. Um, gluten is the only thing that I am like strict on out of my diet, and I don't eat a ton of dairy because it just doesn't make me feel good. But I mean, if there's a nice thing of brie somewhere, like I'm not going to say no. But yeah, so Go Macro bars, they're gluten-free and they're vegan. And basically, I like all of their flavors, but they make like maybe five different flavors that have chocolate chips in them. And then basically, anytime I, I chat with that company, they're like, what flavors do you like the best? I'm like, literally anything with chocolate chips into it. <laughs> You're so easy. Yeah, it's not hard to please. Chocolate chips are the way to my heart. Do you plan on taking this with you if you get out on the Colorado trail or do you truly plan on kind of storing it and, and waiting until next year? Honestly, I think it would be a great way to test my theory, you know, to see if like the homemade backpacking meal pods work as well as I thought. And I I hadn't ordered enough backpacking or of the freeze dried food to do the whole summer because I wanted to like make some of the pods and see try it out, Mm -hmm. you know, see if it even works. So I think it could be a cool opportunity yeah, to test it out. And I definitely, I definitely would like to test out everything that I have. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things I was excited about with, with some of these brands that I had the great privilege to be potentially working with this summer is like telling their story out on the trail. And so if I could do a little bit of that this summer, I'd be really stoked to do that, especially, you know, with, with, the heavy hits that, you know, all, all companies worldwide are really taking right now, of course, but like the, you know, most of the backpacking food brands, especially when you're working with healthier food options, or you're working with kind of niche ultralight gear, these are small companies. Um, You know, these are like not big corporations and these smaller companies really feel the impact of something like this. And so anything that I can do to continue to support these really awesome you know, smaller, more niche companies and um, keep keep money flowing them their way so that they can keep providing awesome ultralight or healthy, you know, things for us, the better. Yeah. That would make me feel good inside. No, agree. I mean, there it's it's gonna be an interesting conundrum this summer because there's gonna be a lot fewer hikers across the board. And it's sort of the the love hate thing with the money that the hikers would usually bring into towns or to these small ultralight companies isn't going to be there, but they, but they need it as well in order to keep going to get to the next season. It, it's, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how this all, this all pans out. 
Well, and that, I mean, that whole conversation, I think was, that created a lot of, I don't know, I'm trying to choose my words wisely, but there was a lot of, a lot of anger and hostility and frustration um, in the, in the hiking community when all of this was happening, because like, you know, those were some of the things on the pro hiking side of the equation, you know, like why people should still be out there on the trail is some of those things that you just shared. And you know, so like when people, the people who do de- did decide to stay on the trail for a while, I, I can't imagine that there are very many people out there still anymore. But the the a lot of the the businesses in the towns, like they wanted the hikers' businesses or you know yeah. business, they wanted the the money that comes from it. But then there's a lot of the town folk, you know, the other people who live in those communities who were who were really against having the hikers because they didn't want their small community to be. Uh, put at risk because of hikers, you know, so it definitely create created, um, I don't know. I was in, in the PCT Facebook group, the class of 2020 Facebook group, and it definitely got a little hostile in there when it came to some of those things, some of those conversation topics. It's, it's a difficult thing right now I, 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 for all everybody. I think, you know, it, it's, the, the the group that is for doing it, the group that is for not doing it, the group that is, you know, the townspeople who are affected by whatever choices these other people are making. Um, it's, it's challenging. So, yeah, I don't know that there is a perfect answer to it all. There's definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of, what kind of spices, what kind of flavors were you planning to bring out with you on, on the trail? Is it just taco or did you also have some other ones that you were going to try out? No, I wanted to create like some sort of like Thai flavor, you know, like some sort of like green, like maybe like a green curry type spice. I don't know. That was like something I was trying. I'm like, how do you get creative with dry seasoning? Because <laughs> You know what I mean? Like I have a lot of like sauces and things that I use. Um, to like change the flavors of things. But like the only two things I could really come up with were like a taco kind of Mexican flavored bowl of sorts. And then like maybe like a Thai curry type flavor as far as the dry powders. So if you have any other ideas, let me know. Yeah, I, well, I, I don't think I'd quite gotten that far in my head. I was going to go with the bland for a while, (laughs) but, but I have definitely, you know, I, I hear people all the time who are talking about needing the change of flavor. So if you I'm have any recipes out there. <laughs> I know I'm hoping, hopefully I'll do a little, do a little creating and I'll have some good things to share in the future. I, I feel like, I feel hard. I feel bad sometimes because I literally could eat the same thing every day and do yeah. for like months on end. And so when people like say that, like, aren't you going to get sick of it? I'm like, well, I like literally already do that. So <laughs> I know I am the same way. <laughs> Somebody basically set up my eating habits. You're you're already set up for the trail. It'll be so easy that way. I'm like, okay. I'm I'm a creature of habit. I'm a creature of not having to think about it. It's just easier, yeah. especially if it's if you have like a, a like something that you like the flavor of. You know, and you're like, yeah, this is good. It's like your favorite sweater. You know, you might have three <laughs> sweaters, but if one of them is your favorite, you're gonna wear that one every time anyway. So why even have the other one? That's right. Just go for the comfort. <laughs> funny when did you decide to go out onto the trail or or that you were going to do a through hike um so i've wanted to do the pct for probably 
oh my god, how old? I'm 29. 20, when I was 20, I learned about the trail for the first time. Uh, I was in college in Lake Tahoe, and the PCT kind of skirts skirts the Tahoe area. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if you can relate to this. I'm sure in, that there's been something in your life, whether it's this or something else. But like, you know, when something someone tells you something or tells you about something and it just resonates so deeply with you that you're like, yes. And it's not even necessarily logical, you know, like I didn't have a ton of, I wasn't even particularly outdoorsy at the time. I was a competitive snowboarder, um, you know, until I was about 21, 22 years old. And that's not necessarily an outdoorsy uh, culture. (laughs) It's more like partying and snowboarding (laughs) and that's it. And so I like became, I like got more into the outdoor space when I turned 2021, whatever. But anyways, I, I, when I first heard about it, I was like, it just, it resonated. And it was one of those things I was like, I'm going to do it. And what's so funny is that I had said to myself is, you know, I was 20. Right. And I said, mm-hmm. before I'm 30, I'll do it. And then obviously I'm 29 right now. So this year was going to be the before I'm 30. And that's kind of why it was like, no, this is the year I'm going to do it. And so I'm a little bit sad that I won't get to like keep that. But at the same time, there's not, it's not by choice. You know, I did everything in my power to be able to make it happen this year. Um, but truly, truly planning started last spring, probably like about, about a little, little less than a year ago. I was like, all right, this is, this this is going to be the year. So what pushed you to actually officially pulling the trigger? You know, conversations with, with my fiance about like what we want to do together. Um, you know, we, we have a van and we've talked for a while about going on like some extended van life type adventures and um, just kind of where his career was at and when he would be able to make a, you know, a step like that. And then, you know, I had told him in one conversation that I had always planned on, I had always said I would do the PCT before I was 30. And he's like, well, then that's this year, then you got to do it. And it was like, you're right. I have to, this is the year. So I just feel really grateful to have such a supportive partner, even though it's not necessarily his thing um, that he sees how big of a deal it is for me to, to follow my dreams and to like stay aligned with those goals I've set for myself. I, I have to assume that it wasn't as simple as, okay, I'm going to do it. I have to assume that there was, or maybe there was, but I have to assume that there was probably some thinking on your part around that. Like the, 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 the idea is floated out there, he's supporting it. And then you have to kind of wrap your head around it. You have to get right with it, so to speak. You know, the thing is, is like the way my life has transformed it, you know, I was telling you earlier in this conversation about my current work, um, you know, what I do for work these days, like I'm completely location independent with my work. I'm completely self-employed. It was like, there was no there was nothing <laughs> popping up that was like, Oh, I can't because mm-hmm. it, you know, all the things the all the, the way that my life had moved um, ended up really being in support of being able to do something like that. And so it was kind of like, you know, you maybe you start looking for like, okay, is there any reason why I can't? And pretty much the way that uh, my life is and was at the time of the decision-making was like, I don't think there could be a more perfect time because who knows what's going to happen two, three, four years from now. You know, I don't, I don't know what that's going to look like. 
you know, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't expect to be where I am right now. It was, <laughs> it wasn't a, you know, none of it was a part of the plan to begin with. And so it kind of, to me, it just really supported that. Like that, that not like, I don't want to be so corny and be like, Oh, the stars aligned, but kind of, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it was like, well, there's not really any reason why not. You were unconsciously, consciously aligning them, setting them all up to allow, to allow for this moment. I guess so. My, my <laughs> intuition must have known that this was coming. And so it just, you know, it did the background work, set me up for success. I don't know. I find in my life that a lot of times, have you ever heard of kind of the, the theory of, th- of threes, of, th- of things happening in threes? Um, I have, where, yeah, totally. You know, and, and it, it may take like the first, the first time you may not really be paying attention. And so you don't maybe catch it or you kind of catch it, catch it peripherally. And then the second time it happens, you're paying a little bit more attention and you start, you know, making the changes or you start kind of maybe doing the work that you don't know that you need to do in order to be prepared for the third time <laughs> it comes around. <laughs> yeah. It's like a little seed that's been planted. It is. It so is. And I feel like that is so much, for me at least, what, I mean, what the trail kind of is, but also kind of in my life in general, you know, is, is paying attention, you know, letting the, being, being open so that you catch it the first time or that you at least notice it the first time, but then paying attention as it, as something repeats and you're like, oh, okay, I I need to pay attention to that. I need to be aware and be, and be actively moving towards something or away from something, depending upon what it is. But, uh, but more often than not, I feel like it's towards something. Well, and, and how often are we getting, you know, all of us out there, these like intuitional little sparks and not following them. And I feel like those reminders, those things that are like continuing to simmer are just, they're, they're pulling us back towards kind of our true nature and the, the path that our heart wants us to be on. It's harder and harder, I feel like in modern day, our modern day lifestyle, which I think is why this, you know, um, self quarantine, mm-hmm. <laughs> slowing down, shelter in place thing has given so many people an opportunity to kind of reassess because when you're moving so fast, and your life is moving so fast, and it's or it's so planned out, so filled, you know, sometimes it's hard, you might get this intuitional call to try something or do something, you know, like you're saying, and it feels like you can't because we don't have the time for it. You know, everything's planned out. Someone invites you to this really amazing, like, oh, I have this really awesome thing. You should come with me. But you can't because you have like six other things that you've committed to already. Yeah. You know? Oh, I totally know. <laughs> <laughs> there was one time in my life, I after my dad passed away, I went traveling in Asia. I like w- tried to go back to normal life and it like, it just was very like very quickly realized like life wasn't normal. This is a, it's a new normal. Like it wasn't, I don't know, you know, so I decided to take a little bit of time off and go travel like super dirt cheap backpacker style <laughs> in Asia. And, um, you know, because we didn't have, I was there, I did half of the trip by myself and half with, with a, a girlfriend of mine. And whether I was alone or with her, like we didn't really have a lot planned. We didn't have planned when we would move from one town to the next. We didn't have, you know, besides our flights to Asia, we didn't have anything else booked. And it was so cool how 
we'd be like, oh, we were really hoping to meet up with this person. And we turn a corner and they're there. They just got dropped <laughs> off in their taxi or whatever it might be. And I feel like when we, when our life isn't so perfectly structured and planned out, it's really quite cool how things just start to like fall in place. You know, I, I, one of the craziest stories I was in um, Cambodia was my first day alone. I had traveled with my friend for six weeks alone and it was my first day or six weeks with her. And then it was my first day alone and I land in Cambodia and I, um, I get to what I thought was going to be a hostel, but I had like misunderstood what the other backpacker had told me. And the place I was staying was not a hostel. And that's an important difference because at hostels, it's easy to make friends. And at hotels, it's really hard because people aren't like, you know, there's not like big common areas where people are socializing. So I'm like by myself and I decide to rent a bicycle and ride to the temples like at Angkor Wat. And I go in, I like park the bike. I go to this first temple, literally the very first temple, very first day. And I turn the corner in this temple. And there's this girl that I had met six weeks earlier in Thailand in this like remote beach in Thailand. Um, And we had like hung out with her for like a week. Didn't stay in touch. Didn't know that she was there. And she happened to be alone too. (laughs) And we ended up like, spending the rest of the day adventuring around and, and she, she ended up leaving that area before I did and, and whatever, but it was just so cool how, when I allowed myself to be in the flow of life, how like the right people came at the right time. It just all worked out. It's funny how that works, huh? (laughs) Yeah. We tend to get in our own ways a lot. (laughs) Yes. Yes, we do. Oh, we, we trip ourselves up a lot. Yeah. I mean, I think in the end, we're just like wanting the best for ourselves. But I feel like there's so often that, or at least in my life, I guess I can't speak for everyone else, that I don't 100% know exactly what I want. But I know the things that are sparking curiosity or an excitement with me. And so instead of like just following that excitement and curiosity and allow it to change and transform as I do, I might start to think like, oh, I have curiosity towards this thing what would be the best end result? And then you get to that end result and you're like, well, this isn't really what I wanted. You know, like we're, we're trying to like build these awesome lives for ourselves. It's all in good nature. But in reality, those, that spark of intuition isn't necessarily to take you to the end result. It might just be to take you um, to meet somebody who has the next spark of inspiration that takes you to the thing that really lights you up or whatever that might be. Yeah. It, it's, It's interesting. One of the things that I've certainly found for myself is that the things that I'm interested in are the things that I think that I'm interested in, because that's the things that I've been interested in and blah, blah, blah. It's almost more important to me for me to pay attention to what those things bring out in me, the emotions, Mm -hmm. the feelings, you know, because that tells me more about something than, than me just doing it because I've been doing it because I've been, let's take work, for example, you know, I've been focused on doing one thing for so long that I'm just doing it doesn't necessarily bring me what it what I thought it was going to bring me anymore. But if I'm not paying attention to that, then I'll just keep doing the same thing because it's comfortable. It's white noise. Yeah. And, and being conscious of how I'm feeling about something will al- allows me to be open to possibly doing something different, which is what 
makes a lot of things more fun. 100%. And I feel like, you know, I said earlier in the conversation, I feel like that's something that, you know, a lot of people, if you're committing to a through hike, you obviously have the capacity to jump into um, something that is uncomfortable and that is, you know, going to shake up what you know to be true about yourself. And I, I think that that's, I mean, at least for me, that's part of the draw. That was part of, it's part of the piece that I'm most excited about is to just allow myself to be transformed, <laughs> you know, allow myself to like peel away those layers and see what's next. How did you hear about the trail initially? Uh, an ex-boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> had he done um, it or he just mentioned it or? No. So his, um, his parents were ultra runners. Um, and they, you know, would do crazy trail ultras and just super badass humans, really, really wonderful people. Um, and him and his father had done the John Muir trail, the JMT. And I think most people take like three weeks to a month to do the JMT. And they had done it in like nine days or something crazy. Um, and so, yeah, like that, that, um, you know, that experience was really impactful for him and, and he, I talked about one day wanting to do the PCT and I was like, what is, the, what is that? You know, I hadn't heard of the JMT. I hadn't heard of the PCT. And, you know, like I said, the second I heard of what it actually was, it was just like, yeah, I'm going to do that. <laughs> you know, but, but honestly, I think I always knew I was going to be doing it alone. <laughs> but like I didn't, it wasn't like, oh, it, it wasn't like, we're going to do that. And we were not to say like, we were in a good place at the time, obviously. Mm -hmm. But, but I don't know, I, I don't, it never necessarily, it didn't ring as like, oh, that's something I want to do with you. It was like, I want to do that for myself. I guess if you're still around, you can come, but obviously, you know. <laughs> I meet you on the trail, I meet you on then. the trail, but. <laughs> yeah, so. Did you have any concerns about going out there by yourself? Um, either in terms of the hiking by yourself or potentially by yourself, because obviously there's the tramley thing going on, but also the hitchhiking and that kind of stuff? I don't know. I mean, I've been wildly independent my whole life, which is a blessing and a curse, um, for sure. Like, you know, like I said, I did a bunch of traveling in Southeast Asia by myself, and I never felt unsafe. Uh, my mom was a flight attendant growing up, which um, you know, means we didn't have a, a ton of money to stay in nice places and things like that. You know, flight attendants are not, <laughs> it's not the most lucrative career choice. However, we did have a lot of, you know, we had the flight benefits. And so we had this opportunity to travel to, um, a lot of these beautiful places. And I feel like, you know, through that, I, I learned how to be aware and responsible and, you know, just how to travel smart, especially as a female, but, you know, I think there are always going to be little things that are that are scary, but I think that that's also that's also been part of the allure for me is to actively to actively face those fears and just remind myself over and over that I'm stronger than I think I am. You know, and of course, take smart precautions and, you know, be mindful of you know, sharing my locations and be mindful of like having, like I have a in-reach mini so that I can connect mm -hmm. with my family and I can let them know I'm safe every day and, you know, things like that. Like it's not, not to be to like totally disregard fear in a sense, because I do know that fear, it's just trying to keep us safe. Um, but 
also to acknowledge where the line in the sand is. All right, what are the precautions that are needed to keep me safe? And wh- where where does that trans- transition into holding me back from experiencing life in its fullest? So I was excited to kind of find that line for myself and um, yeah, face face some of those fears of being alone and whatever. Um, I think it's real, but it's manageable, you know? Very well said. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet that we should? Oh, man. Um, <laughs> so as you think about that, where can people find you to follow your continuing journeys, whether that's on the Colorado Trail or whether that's the PCT next year or or whatever other things you, you get yourself up to? Yeah, so I um, Instagram is definitely my main platform that I share on. And it's just my name, Ariel Scheipe. But I've been really falling in love with YouTube lately, and I've started sharing everything. And my plan was and is to vlog uh, my entire PCT journey. So even though that won't be happening this year, it will be next year. And um, until then, it's me sharing all the other adventures. And then I'm also really passionate about health and wellness and nutrition and yoga and lifestyle, things like that. So um, definitely sharing all of all of those tips and tricks and other things that I'm passionate about. And yeah, I think those are two, the two probably best places for now would be Instagram and YouTube. Okay. So you do have a a YouTube channel. I do. Yeah. And what's so funny is like all of my, all of my best uh, videos, like the ones that did the best are all of the PCT prep ones. And I'm like, I'm so sorry, everyone. We have to wait another year. (laughs) So, but that's okay. It's it's part of it. And the thing is, is like, it's, we're all experiencing massive shifts, whether you were planning on hiking the PCT or something, you know, something entirely different, you know, we're all being asked to like collectively come together and be a part (laughs) so that we can, we can all move forward and thrive. Um, So I know it's not, it's, it's definitely affecting the through hiker community this year. And my heart goes out to everyone who's experiencing that, but it's also, it's, it's going out to everyone. You know, I don't know, I don't know a single person who hasn't been affected in some form or fashion. Yeah, very true. This is, this is truly a worldwide phenomenon. It is. Yeah. And, and I hope, like I said earlier, I noticed a lot of hostility in the through hiking chat, uh, whether, you know, about people's decisions and things like that. And I just hope that instead of instead of allowing this to come between us as a greater global community or hiker community, that we can really use this as an opportunity to come together more than ever, you know, and acknowledge that even if we're not that I heard this quote um, or this, I guess someone had written this really lovely thing and said, you know, we're, we're not actually all in the same boat, <laughs> but we are all in the same storm. You know, we're all, some people's boats are, unfortunately, you know, they're shipwrecked, they're sinking, and times are really tough. Some people have very well-insulated, safe boats that they can totally weather out this storm in. Um, But no matter what your vessel is, no matter what your current life situations are, we are all in this same storm together. And yeah, like I said, I hope that we can use this as an opportunity to support and lift each other up and all come together instead of creating more division between everyone. Speak a little 
notes and links for Ariel's gear can be found on our website at hiking-through.com. Special thanks to Ariel for sharing her story and Maya Wynn for the use of the song Try Again. I hope that you and your family are safe and healthy and ready for whatever comes next. I'll see you on the trail.